the world we know is changing. I'm Moira Gunn, and welcome to Biotech Nation. We hear the term AI all the time, but what is it actually doing? Today we learn how AI was used by one company to discover a drug now approved by the FDA. The company's AI has already gone on to discover other drugs as well. Dr. Vimal Mehta is the CEO of BioXL Therapeutics. Well, Dr. Mehta, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm very happy to be here. Now, this is a very interesting interview for me because it's not just about the drug candidates, the treatments you're working on, but it's also about a, a different and advanced approach or a new approach to drug discovery, how you come to identify what would make a good drug candidate. The scientist is looking to create this intervention in the body, is looking to figuring out how to deliver it. And, uh, and in doing so, they, they read everything they can in the literature. And along the way, they form experiments and continue to work on what might be possible. And you know, as they learn, they evolve that. So when we look at this approach... Um, the first limiting factor is the scientist's knowledge based on reading everything in the literature. Why is this a limiting factor? Uh, there are 50 million publications, and there is an overload of information. It's very difficult for a scientist to digest all the information. That's where we applied artificial intelligence and machine learning approaches to make the information digestible for the scientists. Because reading one publication at a time will not get you uh, where you need to be assimilate all the information. So machine come in, they can read 50 million publications, and they never get tired, and scientists will get tired. So ultimately, machines can really help us find insights which are not possible by just reading one publication. Well, there's also an old adage in networking that says uh, it's, it's not just who you know, it's who, who you know knows. And a scientist reading a publication takes that information and just adds it on to himself. But there's a, there's a deeper aspect to what artificial intelligence can learn. Artificial intelligence in an unbiased ma uh, manner creates a knowledge graph or, a, as you said, network of information which no scientist can do. So it can bring all the information that may exist in one part of the world or the other part of the world and bring it together and create some unique insights, which are network maps. So you can look at first degree connection, which a scientist can identify by reading a book. But second, third degree connections are very difficult to assimilate because information is so complex. So that's where the artificial intelligence platform, machine learning technique helps us sort out and bring the efficiency that we need to enhance our drug discovery and development process. So it's not just who you know. It's who, who you know knows and who they know and it knows. <laughs> and so it's a much deeper understanding than just the paper at hand or what they're looking for at hand. So uh, that that kind of brings together. It's like, ooh, it, it, it enables you to know far more. Now, you're not just looking for the information. Uh, you are also looking for those same capabilities among already approved drugs. Why is that? 
The reason we are trying to take advantage of the existing knowledge because there is a hundreds of years of knowledge available about the disease. There are so many molecules that either make it to the market and never their full biology has been understood or it has been exploited or leveraged. And there are molecules which fail after phase two and they get stuck in phase two and phase three. So we go with the unbiased approach. We try to see that what is the underlying disease drivers? Do we understand them? What are the causal drivers for the disease? If we understand, then we try to relate that to the drugs and their underlying biology and the mechanism, what exists, and then try to correlate and see, can we find a novel way of treating that uh, patient population? And uh, that's exactly the underlying foundation for our drug candidates at Bioxel Therapeutics. Well, this was certainly the example of your first drug, Igalmi, and let me spell it for for listeners. It's I-G-A-L-M-I, Igalmi, which was approved last spring, and it's a drug to treat agitation associated with schizophrenia and bipolar 1 and 2. This was a drug that had been approved originally for a different medical condition. What was it originally approved for? It was originally approved as a sedative and a sedative given in a surgical unit. Now, obviously, if you're trying to settle down agitation in someone, you say, well, let's just pull the IV out. That's not going to happen. You had to develop a new delivery method. What did you do? So we converted this drug into a sublingual thin film because you want some sort of a treatment that is patient-centric and friendly for the patient. They don't feel threatened. If you go at a patient with a needle, they can feel threatened and they can hurt you also if you're trying to go uh, 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 to them with a needle. So that was fundamental reason that we converted this drug into a sublingual thin film. It's green in color. It's a minty in taste. You put it under the tongue. It has a mucoadhesive and it starts onset of action immediately. That was an important factor for the doctor that once you give the drug, you have a rapid onset of action because you want to calm the patient uh, as soon as possible. We are doing micro dosing uh, because that's what we realize. That's what is needed to calm the patient. So um, film, we believe, was the ideal uh, uh, treatment delivery option for these patients, and we are seeing that in the real market since we have launched Ecalmi in the marketplace. And if you took a pill, if you got the person to take a pill, they're pretty agitated at this point, it would take a long time to get into their system. Uh, it will, because it will go through the stomach, and uh, our drug that we are using on Ecalmi, it has some sort of a metabolism, so it won't get to the blood level we need within a short amount of time. So that's part of the re- reason we did the sublingual delivery so that drug can reach to the blood levels and it can start treating the patient. There's another problem to that. If you give pill, sometimes these patients cheek it they, and then when the doctor leaves, they spit it out. So with the film, with the mucoadhesive, they can do that. A drug candidate that was original right from the lab bench, never previously used, would take 12 to 15 years to become approved. This was already approved. What territory did you not have to revisit because it was already approved? 
first is that we knew so much about the drug, the fundamental properties of the drug, because it has been in humans for over 20 years. In 10 million patients, there are 10,000 publications already. So that gives us a very good base. Uh, the biggest advantage was that we had a very good understanding of the safety for this drug because it has been used in the humans. So that's uh, that key characteristic that you look into the drug, like what is the pharmacokinetics, what is the pharmacodynamics, what is the safety, that's already established. We needed to figure out what dose and what is the delivery mechanism and what smart trial we need to design to prove it. And that's exactly what we did. That's part of the reason we were able to go from our IND all the way to the approval within a 3.5 year rather than taking the uh, 12 to 15 year cycle. And there has been no innovation in this area. So it's a highly innovative drug from those perspectives. So for those of you listening who are outside the drug development field, IND is investigational new drug. That means you tell the FDA, this is what we want to do. So that's day one in a, in a drug like this. Uh, uh, and from there to it was actually approved was just three and a half years instead of the 12 to 15. And you had a lot more confidence because so much more was done. Uh, certainly. Um, it gives us a high level of confidence, a de-risk opportunity uh, for our stakeholders because we have a high level degree of confidence that we can bring it um, in the clinic and we can, if clinical data is good, we can bring it to the regulators to get approved. So those were the fundamental reasons for forming Bioxel Therapeutics and initiating this agitation program, massive program where there are 140 million episodes and it's a huge, huge societal problem. So we are very pleased with the outcome we had with the Galmi and as you and I speak today, it's already helping the patient. You said 140 million episodes. Do you mean 140 million episodes per year? That's right. And what was the what's the current treatment for that before Igalmi showed up? So let me just divide that. So agitation happens because of schizophrenia, bipolar one and two, and agitation happens in dementia patient or Alzheimer's patient. So there are about 40 million episodes that happen for schizophrenia, bipolar one or two patient. And there are about 100 million episodes that happen for Alzheimer's and dementia patients. So currently, there is no approved therapy for Alzheimer's-related agitation. They give them antipsychotic, they give them benzodiazepines, but whatever treatment options are more tranquilizing and they are black box warning. So they have not been, there is no approved therapy as of today. In bipolar and schizophrenia uh, arena, there are few approved therapies but they don't work that well. And some of them are IM injections, and they have like a long effect in patients sedating the patient or tranquilizing the patient. So what we have come up with is a very ideal option to treat a patient agitation and involve the patient in the care and making a treatment choice. So physician can tell them, I have this IM injection, or I have this innocuous film to treat your agitation. What do you want to take? And some of these patients had this experience that they come to the emergency room multiple times, so they know they did not like the drugs or choices they were on before because they were tranquilized for a long time. So patients really know what the side effects were, 
So with a new drug like Egalmi, they have a new treatment option. And uh, same for the healthcare providers and the physicians. Now, I know you're also studying uh, bringing Egalmi at home. Right now, you would have to go, you'd have to be in a facility of some sort or go to the ER to get this. Um, how do you study it at home? We just initiated that program last year, our pivotal phase three program. We call it as a Serenity Three. And we it has two parts to it. One part is efficacy. We are testing the efficacy in a medical supervised setting like we did before, like where we got approval of the Egalmi. Just we are using a lower dose. So in our Egalmi, we got 120 microgram and 180 microgram, two doses approved across the spectrum mild, moderate, and severe agitation. And now we are using half the dose, 60, and showing the efficacy. Once we demonstrate efficacy under the same condition as our previous trial, then second part of safety will be done at home. And it's no different than any other drug that is being developed. They test the safety at home. So we will be using the same where patient will be reporting how he feels, does he feel any safety or uh, issues or his informant will be providing that information. So it's no different than the regular drug development. And you're also studying Alzheimer's as well, right? That's right. That's that's a very, very large opportunity and very high unmet medical need. So our uh, like you know, parents or grandparents, they end up in the assisted living facilities or nursing homes, not because of the Alzheimer's or dementia, they end up there because agitation cannot be controlled by their family member. They really don't know how to manage that because whenever agitation happens, they send them to the emergency room. So it's a huge unmet medical need. There is no approved therapy. And we have a breakthrough therapy designation from the FDA using our phase two data. So we are in a good place and now we are running pivotal trials. We call them tranquility two and three to show that we can uh, help these patients, and then if data is positive, be able to get approval from the FDA. And there are about 100 million episodes related to just Alzheimer's-related agitation. Now, since AI engines will search for whatever you're asking for, I know you're also working in immuno-oncology. Uh, Keytruda, of course, is well-known as a as leading immuno-oncology drug, uh, and it works for many cancers but it doesn't work for all cancers. Here's where you're operating, right? That's right. So we are working on tumors that are hard to treat. What I mean by that hard to treat tumors is these tumors by definition are also called as cold tumors where immunotherapy doesn't work. If you change the microenvironment inside the tumor and make them hot, there is a high likelihood that Ketruda will provide better benefit to the patient. So that's exactly what we are doing with our lead product that was, again, identified using our AI platform. We are combining with Ketruda. We are presenting a data next week at ESCOGU, full 28 patient data to show how well uh, it can help the patient. So that data will be presented by our principal investigator. And currently, Ketruda responses are really, really low, like under 5% in these rare forms of the prostate cancer. So if you can enhance the response rate into the mid-20s, like, you know, that's a big win. 
for uh, these patients because uh, and also if you can stabilize the disease and you can have a durable responses. And is your drug one that was previously approved as well? This drug had a different story. So this drug has gone to the phase three trial in uh, um, other tumor types, and it has done multiple phase two trials. It was a biotech company. They spent hundreds of millions of dollars, but it was stuck. Using AI, we identified that this drug, which was tried before the immunotherapy revolution in early 2000, where everything combination was a chemotherapy, chemotherapy and the drug, this drug didn't work. With the new information about the immunotherapy and our AI platform being able to identify that, that it's an innate immunity activator, and this could be a relevant candidate to combine. So we have published the mechanism. It's a completely novel mechanism for this drug. We have established the safety with Ketruda and now uh, efficacy with Ketruda. So this will give us a good path to develop how to bring this drug to the marketplace. It occurs to me that you just don't walk up to your AI engine and say, hey, we need another drug. (laughs) You've got to have data and you've got to be able to ask the question, you know, or the questions to get it down to those things that are usable, actions that are usable. Tell us about that. Uh, You're absolutely right. There's no magical solution. And in terms of the question, we decide that we want to work in this uh, medical condition. Our experts, they design questions that can be as long as 500 to 5,000 word queries, and we feed in the machine. Then machine reads whatever information is available and creates what we call as a network map or a knowledge graph. These are dynamic. It's not a database. These are dynamic network maps or a knowledge graph which we can update as new information will come. And we use that to see what are the key insights we can drive using the machine learning. Like how can we figure out something that's not easily accessible to the human brain because there is so much information. So it's a quite a process and we have built this over a now uh, 15 years. The parent company of Bioxel Therapeutics, Bioxel Corporation, started as a big data company, developed the algor- algorithm, did this work for the pharmaceutical company for over uh, like you know, 200 companies, and then applied this to create Bioxel Therapeutics pipeline, which are our current drugs. So we are a very patient-centric organization. We like to make societal impacts, and that's exactly what we like to do as a team at Bioxel Therapeutics. Well, with this uh, telling of your journey, your motto for the company could be, one thing leads to another. (laughs) 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 And it certainly does. Dr. Mehta, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you'll come back and see us again. Uh, Certainly. Thank you very much for hosting us. I appreciate that. Dr. Vimal Mehta is the CEO of Bioxel Therapeutics. More information is available at bioxl.com. That's bio, the letter X, and C-E-L, bioxl.com. Listen to more biotech podcasts at biotechnation.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Biotech Nation is a regular feature of the weekly public radio program, 
Tech Nation. Listen to the full show via podcast or on your local public radio station. For Biotech Nation, I'm Moira Gunn.